0: You unlock this door with the key of intuition. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of archetypes, a dimension of psychics, a dimension of the subconscious. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Tarot Zone.
1: (laughs) That's not how that ends, but... uh. (laughs) It's good
0: enough. (laughs) So, here we are in the Tarot Zone. Hi, everybody. It's it's time for our Prisoner of Azkaban tarot recap episode. Very exciting. We made it through this book. We started last October, so, you know, congratulations us. Yeah. Uh, we don't have Sarah this episode, and also we have changed the format, and I think it's going to be really exciting and nice for everyone involved the listeners and us your hosts so you know let us know if you like it or if it was better before and yeah we're just gonna hop in what you're gonna hear is we're gonna sort of just talk through the plot of the book and like as we go we'll talk about how the fool's journey is taking place in relation to the tarot cards so my my plot starts off with Harry Potter, a lad of just 13, runs away (laughs) from home. (laughs) Do you have anything before that?
1: Oh, just, you know, uh, Harry starts off his summer, like so many of these books, with his shitty blood family being shitty to him, and the Wheel of Fortune, always trying to rob Harry of, of any semblance of having a normal year at Hogwarts.
0: Totally. Yeah. And I think he... It's funny because he enters this period of stasis at the beginning of every book where he's at with the Dursleys. And then his fool's journey starts when usually when he heads back to Hogwarts. But this year it's when he blows up his aunt and runs the fuck away, which good for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, totally justifiable. <laughs> I don't know if we say that in the episode because it's been... 20 years since October 2019. Um, But yeah, if anyone deserves to to happen to them, it's definitely on March.
0: Yeah, totally. I feel like he's more the fool in this book than maybe even in book one because he doesn't even have Hagrid to guide him this time. Mm -hmm. Like he really, he's literally setting off with his like, I'm running away, you know, bandana tied to a stick that the that the fool is carrying in the cart, Just like no purpose, no idea where he's going or what he's going to do. Just he knows that he has to do this. So I think that's fun. Yeah, he spends the next couple weeks chilling. And the next thing I have is when we meet Crookshanks. Do you have anything before that?
1: I was very fast and loose with my <laughs> timeline. But yes, he does meet crookshanks who we decided has big high priestess energy from crookshanks
0: yes so i think we're going to use multiple terms for some of these cards in this episode because i'm working on using gender neutral terms in my tarot readings and i'm really struggling so i'm hoping that this will be good practice for me but also i want to make sure that our listeners know what cards we're talking about so i'm going to call the high priestess the psychic because there's nothing gendered about being psychic. And obviously that's true because Crookshanks' pronouns are he, him. But yeah, Crookshanks literally spends nine months trying to get Harry and Ron and Hermione to listen the fuck up because he has a really important message for them. And they're obviously not leaning into psychic energy <laughs> because Kirkx is just like hello can we please i need this rat if there's something wrong i need to talk <laughs> to you and they're like mm, no i don't think mm. so even hermione who would be the most likely to listen
1: yeah i think it's really funny because i feel like Sirius has maybe a smaller parallel fool's journey happening in this book but I he's agree. totally like, oh yeah, cool, Krukschinks. Please tell me what what is up. Give me all of your knowledge. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyway, so yeah, Harry spends some time chilling, meets up with his friends, and then goes back to Hogwarts.
0: Yeah, where he like immediately upon getting on the train meets his new dad, aka the Emperor, aka the Pillar, as I am calling this card in the tarot deck i designed which will be available at some point get excited listeners and yeah lupin just like whether lupin's into it or not really becomes harry's dad for the rest of this book i feel like maybe up until the point that sirius is like i'm literally your dad appointed by your parents but i don't think that really ousts lupin it just gives harry another dad
1: And really you know I almost said you could never have too many dads, but really in Harry's case, he really can't have enough parental figures in his life. It's true. Um, You know, meets his meets his new dad.
0: Who, I feel like Lupin acts that way both in terms of like offering Harry like comfort and support, but also knowledge, right? He's teaching him this really important spell that's going to like... I mean, in the end of the book, it's literally going to save Harry's life. So he's really, like, providing that dad energy in sort of, like, all the ways, both nurturing dad but also, like, teaching you how to fix your car, dad, you know? <laughs> but also,
1: like, angry, protective PTA dad when he just is like, oh, yeah, Snape, no, don't worry about this. Harry was with me. It's
0: like... Uh made my heart have feelings.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Love Lupin.
1: I know. He's so great.
0: <sighs> I just realized, and maybe we'll circle back to it. I don't know. Where does the magician come into this? I mean, I feel like Harry is always the magician, always learning, always growing, always coming into himself.
1: I, You know, honestly, I kind of pegged Maybe a little bit too literally, Hermione as the magician, as she is cramming as much information into her brain as she can this year, and she also has like time travel jewelry that, from Harry's perspective, she pulls out of nowhere to save the day. Essentially,
0: I think that makes sense. Totally.
1: Yeah, like you know, Harry's Harry's like in the middle of a true crime story, and Hermione is in the middle of like I don't know junior year of college when like no one is sleeping and you're just trying to cram as much as you can and you're like wait i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> i'm gonna get a normal class load now
0: oh it's true
1: and she never does this again so it's like less lesson learned about taking two extra classes no three extra classes at the, at the beginning right
0: minimum yeah
1: because she's taking basically all the electives that hogwarts has yes yeah.
0: Muggle studies, ancient runes, arithmancy.
1: And then divination for a hobby. Divination. Until like April of the school year. That's like most of the year. If you learn anything from this podcast, don't do that to yourself, people out there. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) It's not worth it. Never take the (laughs) the advanced track. It's it's a bad idea. Um, We also right away meet the Dementors, who are like our rolling bad guy throughout the book even though there are other bad guys but the dementors are sort of the most consistent and they are I think they're showing up as multiple things but like my biggest energy that I got from them was the devil because the devil is all about like fear and being stuck in like old patterns and I feel like Obviously, they're, like, fear demons, but also they, like, bring up the worst things from Harry's past, so they feel very devil to me. And also, you know, you can always break the bonds of the devil, and that's, like, Harry's Patronus coming in being, like, get the fuck away from me. Like, big star energy with the Patronus being, like, I'm here, it's gonna be fine. I know things look really bleak and dark right now, but, like, we're gonna get through.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree in the devil... Energy. I also thought the kind of, like, them kind of forcibly uncovering people's, like, deepest, darkest fears seems, like, very also the moon energy.
0: Hard agree. Yeah.
1: And, like, really, I feel like the worst kind of way.
0: I mean, the moon is a rough card. I think it's... I mean, obviously, tarot readers always love the rough cards because it's, like, it only comes up if you're ready to do the work. And, like, it's great to be ready to do the work. But you know, since Dementors are like exposure therapy, that's like the roughest way to do the work. I really prefer for people to do the work by doing mushrooms. Personally, much more gentle. (laughs) It's like much chiller. I feel like the Patronus is more like, I don't know, compartmentalizing or something. It doesn't really help you work through the things that the Dementors bring up. (laughs) It's Maybe, even though it's great in the moment, it's like not ideal, but... If there were ways that you could really, like, process that stuff, like the moon asks you to, the dementors would have to find something else to bring up. That'd be cool. Reroute your neural pathways and be like, I actually faced that and I worked through it. And you're going to have to bring up a different thing because I can allow that memory to be more like a story and less like it's happening in the present moment. Hashtag goals. (laughs) Um.
1: I, I like, don't have anything else to say for that besides it like, oh yeah, maybe it would be kind of I almost said cool, and I'm like, no, I guess that's what trickers are for. <laughs> Bringing all of that shit to, to the foreground of your mind.
0: I feel like it would be nice to get some like Harry Potter ghost of therapy fanfic where he does get therapy and like work through that trigger and is able to like hear it when the Dementors come and like not get triggered right because the goal isn't for the thing to not be upsetting it's for the thing to be upsetting in a way that doesn't bring you into the like state of hyper arousal that you were in when it happened Mm -hmm. and it would be really rad to see him have that come up and like just be like yeah cast a patronus like this isn't even hard who wants to write this fanfic for me (laughs) we have to have some therapist fanfic writers out there who will do this for me. I trust our listeners. We're going to get an email two days after this episode comes out.
1: (laughs) Uh, Can't can't wait to read that.
0: Thank you in advance to whomever sends that email. (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) (sighs) ( Device) Dementors, learning the Patronus, which is the star, we get, of course, Harry's going through all this. He has ongoing, consistent, his chosen family, Ron Mm -hmm. and Hermione and Hagrid, but also now Lupin, who, you know, are always the lovers for him, this, like, supportive unit, but I believe you had, in Sirius's parallel journey, you had another thing under the lovers, yes?
1: Oh, yeah, obviously, the reuniting of the lovers, OG lovers, Sirius and Remus. Yes. Which, possibly the most believable relationship in this entire series. (laughs) Yes. Uh, and it's the one that the author hates the most. And it's just like too bad you wrote this.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh god. Imagine. Just imagine <laughs> writing Sirius and Remus and being like, No, you're not supposed to read them as a couple. It's like, Oh, I do you know how to write? Like I don't I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs>
1: Uh. (laughs) yeah if you're going for the like brotherly vibe but that's between like harry and ron you really missed the mark on that one (laughs) like the mark is in one place and you're just sailed right past it
0: like literally do we ever see harry and ron hug because i don't think we do
1: i don't think we do
0: even when ron saves harry from the icy pond and Harry and then destroys the horcrux I feel like Harry puts an arm around him to like support him back to the campground I think that's like the closest we ever get
1: the only thing I can imagine doing is them giving each other what I refer to as the acceptable masculinity hug where you like hug someone with one arm and then you're like aggressively patting their back (laughs) on the (laughs) other
0: yes
1: (laughs) because somehow that makes it question mark less gay I don't know
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's basically like the Pats are just saying, no homo, no homo, no homo.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, which I don't think any of our listeners need to hear that that's ridiculous and they should get over it and hug their (laughs) friends, but like, in case you do. Also, if anyone ever tries to hug you that way, you should just like, really intentionally just give them a real hug. Maybe do a little back rub instead that says like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. (laughs)
1: I, don't, I just haven't thought about that It's so long since I, like, don't hug anyone anymore. Oh, <laughs> so I it's know. like, oh, yeah, that used to be a thing.
0: Tragedy. <laughs> <sighs> Heavy sigh. So part of Harry's journey is learning that there's a murderer after him. Harry's like, fuck it, and just, like, goes to Hogsmeade anyway. Which is like, what? Harry.
1: (laughs) Like, an an objectively terrible idea, which I say is possibly the theme of this book, which is (laughs) everything anyone does objectively a terrible idea. (laughs) Yes.
0: Oh, it's true. Um, Have I missed anything so far? The
1: only thing I do want to say is I do consider Harry's journey and learn the Patronus charm very big chariot energy just because of how like force of will and kind of like internal strength you need to have in order to cast the Patronus. you know
0: yeah totally and his dedication even though it's like hard as fuck he's just like I'm doing this yeah that's spot on for sure
1: yeah I you know I, I appreciate that because as someone who things comes easily to it's really hard for me to be like wow this is difficult and then be like not just want to be like, fuck it, I'm done. I'm bad at this thing. Whatever. Right. Like, what a good skill to have to be, like, yeah. continually trying at a thing that you're bad at.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not just, like, drop the class because you got a bad grade on your first test. <laughs> oh my God. Actually, there are classes
1: where I wish I would have done that instead of struggling through it and then failing and then being like this is a waste of money cool
0: yeah i definitely have a lot of w's on my 4.0 gpa class history which is like maybe a little suspect but i'm just like if i i can't succeed in this bye yeah
1: well yeah i'm here to say that trying to force your way through it is not the way through so
0: (laughs) yeah i've never felt bad about it unless it's a thing that i'm like i know i'm gonna have to take this again later Even though that's not true, because in fact, you can just drop out of college and never go back. Pro tip. (laughs) And then later you'll start a podcast that's really nerdy and live your best life. So just saying.
1: Listen, I think our deep dive analysis has been, uh, you know, super educational.
0: And has, in fact, been taught in at least one college class so far. So, look, I'm a fucking professor with no degree. Take that. <laughs> Suck it.
1: <laughs> uh, can't wait till. I can't wait till you get an honorary degree somewhere.
0: Someone give me a degree. Uh, okay, but. I did want to say, so Harry makes this terrible decision to go to Hogsmeade, which is where I think the Hierophant comes in. He just gets a lot of very stern lectures from sort of a lot of people, Hermione and McGonagall and Snape showing up to say some correct things with incorrect goals in terms of getting Harry kicked out of school. But like Snape is right about everything he says to Harry and, you know, the Hierophant loves following rules and getting people to follow rules. So Harry's sort of surrounded and, like, again, not listening. He's like, mm, but what about now?
1: Harry's just such a little shit. God <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like Everyone is like, Harry, please don't get murdered. And Harry's like, but what if I do get murdered by this criminal? I have to fight him, right? And it's like, no, you are a literal child. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I feel like, I feel like a thing that I wish Harry would learn is if Ron is the only person encouraging him to do a thing, he should not do the thing.
1: Yeah, he's like, he has like what Ron and the twins on his side. And I'm like, my dude, (laughs) you really need to rethink (laughs) if those are the yeses on one side. And then the other side, is like, basically all of your teachers and your other best friend yes maybe you should consider
0: and like the minister it. of magic who is like not the most reliable person but in this case it's like he is also correct i will say in the twins defense that i feel like they're only thinking about it from the standpoint of like why do we need a permission slip for this one thing when we're allowed to do every other dangerous fucking thing and i think if harry had had a permission slip he would not have been blocked from going to hogsmead and so i can understand where the twins are coming from I don't think Ron is thinking about it in that context and is just thinking about it the way Harry is, which is like, let's come up with a bunch of justifications for why we don't actually need to worry about this, which is like, mm. that's not legit.
1: Actually, now that you said that out loud, it is wild that they let the kids go to Hogsmeade at all. If there is this dangerous criminal they knew that was going to be near Hogwarts, they should just cancel it for everyone. What are they do? just saying? And the permission slip is the part everyone is on up
0: on. Right? <laughs> uh,
1: this is geez. a silly school. Right. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Does this feel like a good time to take a little, like, side journey into the, like, a mini fool's journey that Sirius is going through? Yeah. I kind of feel like he's, like, fool and chariot and not really like a lot of the in-between stuff happening for him he's like i'm start i'm doing the i'm doing the thing which always is fool energy he's starting the thing and then he just jumps right into it i don't feel like there's a lot of manifestation i don't feel like there's a lot of guidance or like interceding he just is like i mean maybe crookshanks is showing up as like some daddy energy for him or something but like he's just like okay, I I started the mission, I'm on the mission.
1: Yeah. But also, like, going about the mission in a very... He's, like, going about this mission without a ton of reflection about what he is doing and what it looks like he's doing. Because it does look like he's trying to kill Harry for, like, two-thirds of this
0: book. Which I do feel like is chariot energy because the chariot is very goal-oriented without a lot of, like, consideration. Like, the chariot comes up with sort of an in a built-in warning to be, like this is a good card. Like, it is encouraging you to move forward, but it also is, like, take stock. Make sure that you've, like, considered the the things because you've got a lot of, like, energy to put into this right now. But, like, it does actually require a little bit of forethought. Like, you want to make a plan. Do you have a plan? And Sirius, like, doesn't... He has a goal, but not a plan.
1: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) Sirius.
0: I just wish everyone could see Jesse's, like head shake that's happening right now <laughs> it's just
1: like the most stereotypical gryffindor thing it to be is. Like. <laughs>
0: and like i've i've been there i think a lot of a lot of us have been there
1: yeah i mean yeah that is very true
0: i feel like especially like gryffindor energy coupled with like neurodivergent energy because both of those are very like I don't know my Gryffindor energy is what makes it so that when I'm like an idea it's shiny I'm like do it (laughs) don't like yeah start a new podcast do I have time to edit a fifth podcast every month (laughs) I don't know but I'm excited about it so like I'm gonna do the thing that's you know okay I'm glad I'm super everyone i'm so glad that i'm making we are the gayers please don't take that to mean that i'm not it's so fucking exciting but also it's a, a lot of work <laughs> 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 uh, yes so i yeah i feel for serious moral of that story
1: mm-hmm.
0: what's what do you have next
1: So, I really just sort of skipped over a lot of the middle part of this book because it is, because like I couldn't quite remember chronologically what happens. Maybe the tower is too dramatic for this, but I mean, every book I feel like Ron and Hermione are in a (laughs) fight, essentially. (laughs) It's like, I don't know if the tower is too dramatic for that, but it's like, you know, it gets really intense at the end at the middle of this book where first was about scab is a crook shake and then it was about the fucking firebolt which of course her mind did the correct thing mm-hmm. because it was in fact from serious mm-hmm. you know so
0: i think that gives me lovers reversed vibes it does throw their whole friend dynamic into question yeah yeah i think you're right i don't think it's like i don't think it's dramatic enough maybe to be the tower or at least not to harry because harry sort of is able to be friends with both of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely like relevant to his journey. Cause that's like really fucking stressful on top of like all the other really fucking stressful things. Yeah. And I'm with you. My note sort of for like the rest of the middle of the book until we get to the shrieking shack is just like the wheel of fortune is turning. <laughs> <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> Shit's happening.
1: <laughs> <sighs> that could also be, that. Can also just be the the subline of all of these books, Harry Potter and the Wheel of Fortune, always turning.
0: <laughs> so true, so true. Oh, uh, everyone, go back and look at Theo's comic from the first Tarot episode that we did, where Harry and Voldemort are playing the game show Wheel of Fortune. It's really good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I was before we went to the shrieking shack. I actually was trying to figure out because I feel like. Even though this is the only book where we don't... I feel like physically in quotation being quotation marks, but in which Voldemort doesn't appear in any of his various forms. Mm-hmm. But he's still... Like, he's still a big part of this book as, like, one of the forces that has kind of pushed all of these turn of events happening in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know? Whatever, like, they convinced Peter to fucking be a Death Eater and, like, Voldemort and the fucking prophecy is what caused you know them him to like you know murder harry's parents in the first place which is why sirius is upset because of the swap with the secret keeper and like why he was in jail for so long because everybody thought he was a fucking death eater bloody blah mm-hmm. but honestly i couldn't figure out what card that would be but i still feel like like i was a little bit also leaning just on the moon but i was like also not sure
0: that was the first card that came into my mind also, but kind of it feels maybe minor arcana e. I'm trying to think of what it would be. I feel like he's more of an idea than a person, kind of. Like he would be showing up in Harry's life as maybe like the Eight of Swords. Just this like vague menacing fear. No, the Nine of Swords, right? The Nightmare card.
1: Oh, yeah, no, definitely the, definitely the Nine of Swords.
0: Yeah. But in sort of, like, a peripheral. Ooh. I'm yeah. still here. Like, everyone think, assumes I'm your biggest fear. Like, I yeah. took your godfather from you.
1: But also kind of is showing is that, like, the sort of lingering terrible effects of Voldemort, kind of like, when a nuclear bomb goes off, there's still a ton of, like, nuclear
0: fallout. Yeah, and I would say... it's sort of like on the periphery for most of the book and then it like really comes into play at the end where it's like really a card about fear and i mean it's literally called the nightmare card and Pettigrew escapes voldemort hasn't been helped by his servant yet but we have this prophecy we have this like portent that something bad is going to happen but it hasn't happened yet and that feels very Nine of Swords to me.
1: Yeah. And I mean that chapter is literally called The Servant of Lord Voldemort. You know? Right. So like even though he isn't, Voldemort doesn't appear in this book, we still like get these mentions of him. You know? Right.
0: Yeah. Alright, so here we are in the Shrieking Shack.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We've got a lot going on. Like a lot going on. Oh my on. god, yeah. I want you to start please.
1: Alright. I feel like so many things come up in such a short period of time. As you as you spoke of earlier, uh, I did call the reunion between Remus and Sirius definitely the lovers' energy. And I think a lot of the revelations that happen in these string of chapters, I think, is definitely dramatic enough to be the tower because it's like so many revelations after another that essentially change Harry and the others worldview of what is happening and like what has happened in the past and then we have snape showing up at the wrong time fucking things up which i think is also the devil energy it's like Mm -hmm. the the devil's the devil's energy that sounds like a terrible alcoholic (laughs) sports drink
0: or a metal band
1: (laughs) band. (laughs) there is definitely someone has a metal band called the devil's energy and then we have the Reveal of Scabbers being a person. A.K.A. Peter Predigrew. And which. That revelation. And how that's going to affect the rest of the book. And the rest of the series. Is. I think it is. The death card all the way. Because it's like. Peter is literally transformed. But also figuratively transformed into. From this. Old house pet to. The faithful servant of Lord Voldemort. Mm -hmm. And it's. In later books, it's going to change Harry's future. I mean, pretty immediately in the next book, change Harry's future and like the future of the entire witching world so far. And if things aren't also intense enough, we have a little bit of the just, we have a little bit of justice.
0: We have so much justice.
1: So much justice.
0: Wait, I want to jump in on the death card thing. Yeah. Because you're totally right. I think Peter is like the impetus for the death card but I think it really is like about Harry's life like with the change that is happening like Harry entering into like a new phase because like Voldemort's return really does change his trajectory in such a massive way and I think he also has like a mini a mini death card thing when he finds Sirius and like is gonna go live with him and then has that taken away from him which also is like part of the tower in a huge way but like just the existence of sirius and like this parental figure even though he doesn't go get to get to go live with him is really like life-changing for harry to just know that there's someone out there who cares about him the way that sirius cares about him and that's the way that the death card can show up in a good way
1: yeah i still always feel eternally bad for Harry for not ever getting I mean he lives with Sirius in a way that's not healthy in a healthy place for, when when Sirius is not in a healthy place emotionally so it's not or quite as or physically yeah
0: <laughs> he, being in Grimmauld place is like so awful for him
1: yeah oh my god what if Harry would just live with Sirius in the summer times on like the beach <laughs> and then showed up to Hogwarts with a tan every, summer, every fall mm. <laughs>
0: That would have been so good. <laughs>
1: who, who, who would have even noticed? I mean, Dumbledore would have noticed, but
0: yeah. All right, yeah. So we, the Justice Card, right? <laughs> they give Harry the impossible choice to allow them to murder the man formerly known as Scabbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Fucking perfect. (laughs) Thank you. Um, or or to arrest him and like clear Sirius's name, which is a huge impetus for Harry to choose that one, right? But that is like that is what the Justice Card is about. Is like right and wrong and like making the decision that serves the highest good, even though it's like a really hard decision. God. And sometimes they can have like really shitty, unexpected outcomes. Like, you choose the thing that you think is going to serve the highest good, and then in fact, it makes everything significantly worse by allowing someone to go bring Voldemort back into a physical body where he can do massive harm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they should have just transformed Peter back into a rat and let Scabbard take care of it. It just had plausible deniability about all this.
0: Oh, Cruickshanks, you mean? Wait, what did I say? Scabbers, but yes. yes, you're totally right. That would have been hilarious. It was the cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if you
1: just get <laughs> if you just get the cat's memories, we can put him in a pen so we can solve
0: this right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, and I would argue that like the rumblings of the tower have been happening up until this point but like the crescendo of the tower starts when uh, pedigree transforms and lupin's a wolf and like the dementors are coming in and that's just like the tower is all about like chaos and upheaval and like ah and uh yeah that's Real shitty. It's real terrible.
1: It's like the tower's been there, and then all the other cards have sort of been laid out on top, but the tower is still there, like looming like, yeah. underneath it all.
0: And then it just is like, bah, like the Kool Aid man just like busting it <laughs> into <laughs> the situation. <laughs> uh... Okay. And the tower just keeps on through the end of the book. Yeah. <sighs> It's terrible.
1: Yeah, so much, so much tower energy. Unfortunately, this, yeah. I mean, the end of this book is just like a tragedy. From like I don't know, chapter fifteen or sixteen on, it's just yeah, domino effect of sadness.
0: Yeah. Okay, so then time travel is that where we're to? That's where we're at. I feel like with the time travel whole situation, we loop back in the major arcana to the hanged one because basically you know that's a card about like assessing your options but sort of like stasis but not in a like stuck way more in a like i have to accept that at this moment i can't take action way and like there's not one right answer necessarily like there is with the justice card but basically They have this ongoing opportunity to change the outcome, but they can't take it because, like, the rules of time travel. And Harry sort of has to make peace with that, which I feel like he does through the process of like the whole hours and hours that this time travel scene takes.
1: I agree with you on that. I do think, though, that. I don't think he comes to terms with it until he gets to the point where he's like, oh, I cast a Patronus on the lake to save my life and also Sirius and Hermione's.
0: Right. Because
1: he, like, he was pretty much be like, okay, yeah, we can't just run into Hagrid's cabin, grab scabbers, because that's going to mess up everything. But he was still very convinced. It's just like, but my dad showed up and Hermione's like, "Uh, no, friend, that's not how this works
0: right and
1: it's like we're in a time loop anything is possible and she's like no right actually specific things are possible within this realm of time travel which is also kind of like <laughs>
0: okay right yeah yeah I think it does it takes him sort of that whole period to really like get into it and you're totally right that that's the moment where he's really like yeah actually we couldn't have done anything otherwise because like this is what already happened, and that's how time travel works. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else in that section?
1: Uh, just that Hermione pulling out the time turner is sort of like I mean, as I said earlier, she's the magician throughout this entire book, but that was just like such a big power move.
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah, so they save Sirius and Buckbeak, which I feel like is sort of star energy, like rising from the chaos of the tower, which obviously they then immediately return to the tower. At least like Harry's internal emotional state immediately returns to the tower. But we do get this sort of like bright shining moment where like he's the hero and like at least at least these two innocent beings have been saved from like certain death so that's nice
1: i mean they do literally fly off of a tower like into the light at the end of that
0: chapter (laughs) nailed it (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you had some cool thoughts on like the end end of the book i think
1: yeah i was thinking since the sun is kind of about like Here are the rewards of all the things that have happened. Like very tangible rewards. I'm kind of just like, you know, the letter from Sirius to both Harry and Ron and kind of this like literal gift of Pidgewidgeon, the most adorable, tiny, fluffy owl ever, is like, it's kind of like the sun. It's just that like one little bit of like, because even though the end of the book is very much still very sad and like who knows what's going to happen in the future. Spoiler alert, it's going to be terrible
0: but
1: for that one moment at the end when like harry's like oh yeah i have my permission slip i get to threaten my blood relatives about my godfather being a wanted murderer you got this this not uh actually a per like evil fascist person pet like ron it's like that's great
0: i love that i think that's that's lovely it's like everything's still like gloomy and terrible but then the clouds part for just a little bit and we get like a brief one of those like streaks of sunlight that come down on rainy days
1: yeah i think this maybe doesn't happen until the end again until the second to last chapter of the last book because i don't know what kind of i already have a lot of feelings with the epilogue (laughs) so i don't know like what kind of what kind of tarot card that's gonna be
0: uh maybe we'll just skip it we'll write an (laughs) epilogue instead and talk about that
1: uh yeah my favorite fandom term that people came up with immediately was ewe aka epilogue what epilogue
0: nice yeah
1: (laughs) in my in in my mind i'm like exactly what epilogue what are you talking about the book ended with them with Harry fixing his wand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <the end>.
0: Totally. <laughs> uh, <sighs> so yeah, we get we get a little glimpse of of the sun and then I don't know, I feel like yeah, we really just go back to like the tower and a lot of uncertainty.
1: Possibly even a little bit of like the hanged man perhaps.
0: Yeah. But, like, less chill, the hanged man. (laughs) I feel like there's a sense of peace associated with the hanged man, but this does feel like it has hanged man, or hanged one energy, but with, I don't know, more, like, pressure and... Not pressure, because there is nothing that can be done about it, but, like, knowing that whatever the outcome is going to be, it's going to be bad, right? it's like the
1: hangman and then you pull another card and it's like the five of swords or something yeah you're like oh can i clarify the hangman you're like five of swords and you're like cool this is gonna suck yeah (laughs) it's
0: gonna suck real bad totally yeah Mm. (laughs) poor harry
1: (laughs) i know i know give this guy a real happy ending (laughs) (laughs) and not the fucking epilogue (laughs) anyway that's like 10 years from now so whatever
0: (laughs) right this was really fun. I feel good about the new format. Yeah, I like it. Cool.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad we have a new format that I can remember to. Next book, I will do it as we go through the chapters.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Which will be you're much You're so easier. on top of your game. <laughs> I will not do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can't believe I
0: right. wrote Book four. Anyway, no. yes. <laughs> okay. This was great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you're going to say the actual (laughs) outro.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Tarot Zone, aka The Gaily Prophet. Um, If you haven't yet, make sure that you read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and then start listening to our other podcast, Escape from Reality, because it's great um also you know if you want to hear our buffy podcast become a patron and you will be able to listen to we are the gayers it's also great uh, and that's available at patreon.com dot also this podcast all these podcasts are produced mixed and edited by me uh you can also find us other places on the internet you could go to our website which is thegailyprofit.com where you can like find a bunch of stuff including our merch which also now includes our sticker club where you can sign up to get a new sticker every month in the mail and we're on all the social medias at thegailyprofit
1: thegailyprofit pod on tumblr if you podcast
0: are... I think.
1: Thank you, the Gayly Profit Podcast. If you're still a tumbling on Tumblr, I don't know whatever people, whatever you call it. I'm sorry. It I
0: love that. <laughs> don't apologize for that. <sighs> uh.
1: If you're looking for a hundred percent cash free ways of supporting us you can leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can also tell all your friends to listen to us.
0: You can find me on the internet, for instance, if you want to get a tarot reading from me at my website, which is larkmalakai.com. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. I am also at that spelling on Instagram.
1: And if you want to see me rant about things, you can follow me on Instagram at live from detroit or on twitter at jesse underscore detroit
0: our show art is by theo julian forrester the music in our theme song is by kevin mcleod and until next time (laughs) oh my god all right